Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup. And let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what, I literally am going to be on fire for this episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. We are bringing people on today that are going to blow your minds, right, Marcus? I mean, these are the kind of people that, I tell you what, they, they, when they tell their story, when Brennan tells his story, and then he gets supported by our boy Clint, I mean, I, this is powerful stuff. You wait and see what's going to happen. I, I mean... It, uh, look how much fun we have when we have one of our own on there. Oh, dude! And then check this: the guy we got, got uh, coming on here is is in a has been in the same situation I've been in. Same literally, guy. literally, literally. I, I never met anybody that's that's been that's uh, walked down that road. I, I mean, this is what makes this show so remarkable. You know that, and I and, and because uh, be you just brought up. Well, I mean, I'm gonna stare right in, right, right through that screen at him and see what's going on behind those eyes. You know what I mean? That's what I'm personally stoked about. It, all right. And, I'm like, and, hey, and, brother. And, and, and if you're tuning in, just to let you know, and I'm not gonna introduce him just quite yet. Uh, if you're introduced, this is your first time listening to the Team Never Quit podcast. Welcome aboard. We're glad, we're so privileged to have you. Oh yeah, I, th- we need to start that first, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we got to introduce why we're here, what we do, and and, and what your ho- we hope you'll gain out of. So, Marcus and I, in our incredible lives, we've been so blessed to experience the things we have, and it's and it's our mission now to take these this concept of the never quit mindset. And, and give it to you in a way that you can utilize it, employ, employ it into your life, and become that, that great story yourself. Become the legend yourself because you were able to summon the never-quit mindset. That's what we do. That's our mission. That's why we have amazing guests on to tell their incredible never-quit stories, what, where they learn the mentality, how they apply it in their lives in the After Actions Report. I mean, how many other podcasts or shows do you know like that out there, brother? Bring those people that you see every day or that you read about that extraordinary event and someone who went through it and then <laughs> coming across in a similar situation that didn't get all the not- uh, notoriety that the other one did and battling the same demons, whatever it is. Well, it's the so, common bond you and I t- talk about all the time, the human condition. Correct. And what separates us is our events like this. So, we, I mean, you bring enough of them on here and, and enough wa- show enough ways to get out of it. I mean, we're covering down on a lot of things. We are covering down on all things, right? Correct. What really enables, because we are all wonderfully unique individuals. That's what God created, and that's awesome. But we are, we are bonded together in this common pain called life. 
And man, when we can share our stories with one another, it makes us better. And we have two guests coming on here that tr- that have are the definition of that shared life, that shared pain in order to come out of the hole. Sure. I mean, everyone strives to be unique, but sometimes being unique can shove you into a hole and, and, and you don't know how to get out of it. These people have been in the hole and they've gotten out of it. So if you're down there struggling and wondering how to do it, we'll, we're uh, we're about to open your ears right here. Pay <laughs> <laughs> right attention, stand by because it's coming. And listen, if you want if you if you want to know more places to go and learn about what it, what it is we do, please visit our website at teamneverquit.com forward slash, forward slash podcast. Find all the shows. Find out why we're doing it. Find out what we're doing. And if you've got a great never quit story. Go ahead and submit it there. If you've got a wonderful Never Quit story in your own life, share it there. Or someone you love or care about, share their story with us. Because if, if if they're great and they're awesome, then we're going to read them on the air. And if they're super awesome, Marcus, what's going to happen? Coming on the show. You're coming on the show. And, and we're searching right now for that next person. All right, but and, and, if, and also go check out on TeamNeverQuit.com. Look, check out our merchandise. We've got great T-shirts and hats and stickers and flags that you can fly the banner of the Never Quit Mindset. If you've got a company or, or a, a team that you really would love to have a wonderful Never Quit speaker, we've got a whole list of speakers on our Speakers Bureau there. Or if you want, some, we've got some great ammunition. So listen, this is a wonderful place where you can instill the mindset and, and, and absorb the, the message we're putting out. Now, we traditionally start with a bunch of different things, right? Whether it's a historical story or what you're going to do story or uh, just a shared story. But today, Marcus, we're going to, because of who we got coming on, <laughs> we've got a doozy, brother. And his name is Jack Pritchard. And Jack Pritchard is a New York City firefighter, all right? Now, in 1970, Jack joined uh, the New York FD as part of Squad 4. In 72, Jack uh, joined Rescue 2, one of the most elite units in, in New York City. Rescue 2 is an elite unit of FDNY that specializes in showing up first to the scene and basically pulling people out of burning buildings while the structure was collapsing around them. I mean, sure. that, yeah, sure. sign me up right here. Sure. <laughs> now, one thing I got to say before we get into this, firefighters baffle me, brother. Baffle me. Right. Now, is it, it, it for me, it's because when, when the enemy's out there, it's like, I know that's a man. I know I'm better trained. I know I got I exactly. Got, I got, it's the same thing with the EOD cats, right? Nuts. I mean, nuts. Uh, we tell a story all day about them jokers, but those, the firefighters. I mean, from from what I was, especially after nine nine eleven. Now they've always been around. That's the great part about. It. And if you distinguish yourself in a in a in a fraternity like that. As a firehouse, it really hits it hard and go and try. And I, I hate to say it like that because what that does is that fires them up. Let's hit it hard, and that's how I think that everyone's cut from the same cloth. It's just that, yep. and I mean, hell, even the roads we take are just separated by what something Monday. A decision, right? A, 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 a little a, bit a coincidence, right. something that shifts us one way or the sure, other. Sure, sure, and, and lineage, right? Yeah, obviously it has a lot to do with that, especially yep. with them jokers, man. Oh so. my god! And, well, well, get ready for the 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 most highly decorated <laughs> firefighter. Ever, brother. All right, in New York City. You ready? I'm going to just tell you three rescues that he did, okay? Sure. Here's rescue one. In 1975, rescue two responded to a three-story building fire, which upon arrival, the first two floors were fully engaged in flame. They learned a, they, they learned a, a disabled boy might still be trapped inside on the third floor. 
before any plan could get put together, Pritchard throws the ladder up against the wall, runs to the top, smashes in a window. Since the window, uh, and since the window has been pouring out black smoke, was too small, immediately removes his oxygen tank and dives inside, crawling as fast as he could through the apartment, keeping his head nearest to the floor as possible, unable to fund the boy. He goes and enters into the hallway and sees the child laying face down, closed already on fire, Marcus. Uh, Pritchard bolts over, smothers the flames on the kid, and drags the child to the door in order to escape. However, the apartment door had swung shut, locked him and the child in the inferno of the hallway with no other option, and burning chunks of ceiling falling around him. So he takes a deep breath, stands, sprints for the stairwell, leaping over the railing in the air, you know, flying through the sky, smashes into the second deck below him, child in arms, where his teammates spot him, douse him with water, and save his their lives. Sure. Okay. I, I, I you know, I, I, you and I have been in some sketchy spots, and, and but, but imagine the pressure of that flame on his face. Oh, I know, right? Imagine the fire, like, all around. Uh, those, from what I understand, Scott, I have... A couple guys in my crew are firefighters, and I mean they're they're all kinds of crazy growing up, and even in the firefighting community, like the the New York guys, they're they're the high rise guys, right? And then the parent, the, the boys down here in the south, man, they're they run into those burners, and and it's it's crazy the respect that that um that each firehouse has for each firehouse for what they do. Yeah, and I love that tradition about that. I mean, if I walk in, I want to see a Dalmatian or some kind of mangy mutt, you know, this that and the other. Uh, representing the house. That's a great thing about that that job. It's yeah. so damn dangerous. Let them have it. It's awesome. It's and, awesome. And, the, and the guy, I mean, you got to wonder what it is with the guys like oh, that. Oh. Like, like a, it's a competition to prove. No, no, no. We, this goes even further. Let me read you the next story, all right? Because I got to get de- deeper with this guy. Following his, his shift, while leaving the station on his way home, a call came in for a major fire at Walburn's Market, which had a few fires trapped inside. Pritchard obviously chose to race to the scene, upon which arriving 12 firefighters now on the roof attempting to quench the fire from above the market. Disregarding all personal safety equipment except his fire-retardant coat, Pritchard bolts into the burning building amid the swirling inferno and blinding heat smoke. He manages to locate one of the unconscious firefighters, drags him to safety. Immediately following, the roof finally collapses, and along with it, the 12 men on the roof fall into the flames. Pritchard, without thinking twice, sprints back into the blaze a total of three times, each time digging another man from under the rubble with his bare hands and dragging them to safety. This was the deadliest fire in New York Fire Department history, claiming the lives of six firefighters. However, if Pritchard, who himself sustained sustained extensive burns on most of his upper body, leading to two months of hospitalization, several more would have perished. He was awarded the James Gordon Bennett Medal, the highest award for bravery in New York City. No, you hear those stories about guys, and and, and we we go overseas to do that, and do our job. Each guy, each each person who puts on the uniform, and follow me on this in case I get lost. I mean, did you just hear that story? I did. Imagine throwing it in the jungle with some rifles and and the scenario. It's a, it, and to keep running back uh, in the gunfire. Right. Running back in. I mean, that's, that's kind of stuff that what we do gets notif- 
notification from the president that met the Medal of Honor, then they should then have he one. He should have right? it too. Anybody yeah. in uniform should. There should be a medal that represents from that comes from the people that uh, placed by the president. I I agree wholeheartedly. But hold on, right? Let me go for the third one for you, okay? Just so you know, because because after this, I've got a real distinct question to ask you, and, and I, like a a deep one. All right. Story three. The story Pritchard is most known for involves. <laughs> I wish you could see Marcus's face he just gave me right there. It was awesome. The story Pritchard is most known for involves a massive fire of large apartment building in Brooklyn. Arriving first, as always, he notices a woman screaming. Her child is trapped on the fourth floor. He tasks his men, then does what he does best, throws off all regard for personal self-preservation and sprints inside the burning building. Upon reaching the apartment door, he is forced to remove his gloves to work the key, which was fortunately left in the door. Immediately, as the door swings open, a massive fireball of backdraft smashes him directly in the face, throwing him backward onto his back. Somehow, undaunted, crawls inside, inch by inch, as he locates the crib of the still-living baby. The problem is the flames are dashing around and consuming the walls above the crib with such intensity, he's unable to remove the baby unharmed. So what does he do, Marcus? With his ungloved hands, he starts dragging the crib, which is literally melting in his hand and melting his hand towards the hallway. Calling out to his teammate, they met him to help secure the rescue. This earned Pritchett his second James Gordon Benton medal. Question for you. Two medal of honors. Question for you. Send it. Is Pritchard insane? No. No? Tell I, me why you think he isn't. Man, I just think, and I, like, I don't have a bunch of degrees or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, I, this is all from just being out there into that. And if, if I mean, if, if it truly is your life, you got to understand, I mean, there's kind of people who play football and then there's football players. Right. Right. There's team guys and then there's Navy SEALs, right? An operator. So, I mean, if, you, if you're if you so in, into what you do and you train, and it, that goes back to what I always say, like, if you're not special, if you're not special, you can be trained. You can be trained uh, very well as a human because of what we know in medicine and all, and what you uh, see. Exactly. Every, you can train somebody to do anything. Yep. And if... if I mean, if he was that kind of guy that was motivated by whatever it was he was motivated for, and that's all he did, his life was being a firefighter, then going back in there made perfect sense. And then you get to, I've heard people say, you know, he's the guy who tosses his gear off, and then you got the people at the academy with the rookies, and like, it's always the rookies and the young guys like, well, he he doesn't have to wear his gear. I I do think that there are types of people who, um, obviously, he's a better firefighter without that stuff, right? And he stands alone. So people can distinguish themselves in a community full of rules saying, well, guess, you know what, he... He trains so the day you you you're pulling that that much weight, then I, then you can come say you can wear your kit anywhere you want. Right, exactly, and that's the beautiful thing about the teams, man. Is we get to do that, we get to figure that out on our own. Right, and um, and I love where you're going with that. Okay, good. Because I was no, right. no, 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 <laughs> you're you're spot on. And what what he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that the guy ascended to such an awareness, such a level of proficiency in fires that he knew the best way for him to be successful was to minimize or maximize or do whatever 
in the way he did it. Look and at, look everybody at, else allowed it to happen. Right, right. Unfold. And we're probably better for it because of it. And I'd like, if you really want, look look at his home life, probably. True. You know, dig into that part and see. Because when you have somebody who's so focused on everyone likes to label it, well, maybe it's just that training, that whole training. And if he's meticulous at that, then I would imagine, you know, who, who knows? But you can often see somebody who burns that deep. It's a, we got teammates that, like that that are still hard charged. And even when they when they don't have the body to stay on the line, I'm like, keep, uh, you know, I'll training. What, what do you need me to do? You know, oh, I'm tracking. And, and that's what the beauty is. And the guy went on to have this illustrious career in in a fire in a team in uh, in in New York City Fire Department. He was a battalion chief. He won, you know, those two awards, another three incredible awards for heroism. I mean, he had a lifetime achievement. This guy is the real deal. Yeah, that's and, the kind of guy that you, you that uh, you know, statues should be built. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna immortalize men on on monuments, which everyone's like, you know, we don't do that. Yeah, we, we, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Romans, they're like, we're not like the Romans. We don't do, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it. That's how it's passed down in history. It's great. You know what I'm talking about? But it, if you walk around, just imagine it. And that's the little thing, man. You can put a statue of that dude and, and his write up down there and, and, and podunk wherever and say somebody's just driving by there and sees that and reads that. And that's the kind of stuff that changes their life. Like, why was this out here? This has to mean something. Well, it sparks the intrigue. Why does this dude is he's so relevant? And it's it's because of his action, because but, of his desire to that he wasn't going to allow the significance of the blaze, right? In whatever more metaphorical sense you want to imagine it to be, he wanted to run right in to save human life. Right. Well, and f- firefighters, and it, I think this goes with a lot of the guys. And what I've heard from my buddies, man, it, guys who who do who do it like that know know that in that fire. Yeah. They know exactly what feeds it, what kills it, how, and it's so unpredictable. It's kind of like those. It's almost. Man, you can't even compare it to anything. Not no, even playing with snakes. No, nothing. nothing. It's so unpredictable nothing. the way it jumps. Yeah. Man. So that just that basic knowledge of. And pain. How much how much damn pain Holy you can take. Holy cow. I mean, those guys are conditioned because my buddy and I, I Morgan and I would go ride with him sometimes, and he'd just go come walking out with, with no mask on. Hey, come on here, check this out. And I mean, I... <laughs> oh, dude, uh, crazy. Yeah. 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 Mop level four all <laughs> yeah. while you're working all day I mean, long. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that. And please check out more about Pritchard out there. The guy's an amazing guy. I'm, all them I'm, guys, I, man. Yeah. And, so all uh, firefighters. Yeah, all the boys in the houses, man, that I crash at in New York, Boston, Chicago, Houston here, man. You guys roll hard. Just thank you for everything you do. Uh, I, I mean, if, if it wasn't a time to do that, I felt like it is now. Oh, man. God. I mean, good God almighty. What, what you guys do is amazing. And uh, yeah. we, we back you 100%. 100%. Anything we can do. Yeah, absolutely. All the firefighters out there, we love you t- tremendously. All right. Let's get into welcoming on our guests. But first, I want to give a brief introduction. First, uh, we, we're going to bring on a young man who, who is, is a real special person. And, and like Marcus said, there's a, there's, a, there's a synergy amongst him and this young man that is really going to be special, I hope. And, and, and I'm looking forward to bring him on. His name is Brandon McDonough. Now, he was the only firefighter to survive of the 20-person gr- Granite Mountain Hotshot crew uh, to survive the Yarnell Hill Fire of Prescott, Arizona from June 2013. And this is a remarkable story. Yep. But what makes it the most remarkable for me is, is, is not only his survival of it, you know, that happened because of an order he followed, 
but more so how he's been able to come back and regain the strength of his life through the loss of his brothers. And what's he, and one of the ways he's done that is with through the help of of uh, his mentor, new mentor, a guy who's a close friend of of Marcus and mine, who's a who's a team never quit member, a gentleman by the name of Clint Bruce, who in in his own right has a remarkable story, Naval Academy graduate, NFL football player, uh, 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 SEAL team officer in combat, and now has some remarkable organizations that he is out there supporting and benefiting uh, uh, veterans in all types of ways, as well as just a really seasoned, amazing individual. Please check him out when you get a chance. So without further ado, Marcus, let's bring on Brennan and Clint. Well, Marcus, I'm telling you right now, brother, again, we got one of our own, but this time he's bringing someone that's super special. He's bringing one that's somebody that knows the deal. That's he's- the only reason I let you bring two Academy officers in a row <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the podcast without throwing an enlisted dude in there in the well, middle. I, well, I know you're upset with me. For I mean, there's a gap there, but uh, these... Uh, Hold on, no. The best part about about the two that we have, man, is just that they were they they didn't they being the academy and the officer part of it was their responsibility, which they took very well. But when they they are all team guy, oh, all, all team Ooh. guy, and that's why I mean we I mean that's the only reason we're still together. We I mean, they wanted there was such one of the boys. It's it wasn't even funny, and that's how you, those great officers are the ones that make that transition when they have to when the responsibility comes up. Right? Amen. Amen. And let's be honest: if you add his his grade point average and my grade point average together in in and divide it it's it's barely passing well, like that's how far i brought down here <laughs> that's what i'm trying to figure that, out dude how anchorman that's what i'm cuz cuz my, G, my GPA was 137 tackles my senior year. That was my great point. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's what it was. Well, so uh, it, it just cracks me up. But that, but that's why, Marcus, all right? Because it's two knuckle-dragon officers in a row, uh, and, and they're going to do No, great. but the other reason is because of Brennan. That's right. That's Brennan, true. this is because of you that he's here. <laughs> I mean. That, that's the only reason why why the Silverback is on we with us We stopped right calling. <laughs> we erased our numbers. <laughs> All right, gents. Well, we were so if you proud. Do, I think is there some way you could video him doing his Sasquatch uh, walk? Oh, and every you, every I'll time the podcast footage. comes up, it's on the side there. We're, we're gonna you, put it. We'll float it out there. Have you seen him do it? It's well, excellent. It, I, it's, I told him not to do it here at the house because my mom might grab the gun. I'll, I'll send it to you. You can't do that because listen. There's a big theory that Bigfoot's actually part human, so it'd be it'd be murder, right? It's oh, not like, oh, it's murder. Oh, I didn't say. Yeah, we won't get into that. Mom, well, let's, mom is let's, let's get let's get to the questions. Let's get this going because we got to. I, I know Clint, you got a hard time, so oh, I just want right. to welcome. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Brian McDonough and Clint Bruce to the show, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. It's our pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Brian, uh, all right. So the on, way man. we always start the T and Q podcast because we got to exercise your brain, in particular, Clint's. I, you, Brennan, you seem like a smart sure. young guy. But we sure. gotta wake up the the, the sleeping giants' uh, so brain is, here. Who are we firing this at? We're, we're gonna go. You uh, you go, Clint. I'll go, Brennan. You go, Clint. I'll go, Brennan. Check. All right. What we're gonna give you guys right now to warm up your brains to catch them on fire a little bit is is we're gonna we're gonna give you the mad minute. So all right, just first thing that pops in your head. All right, go ahead. Favorite superhero. Incredible Hulk. All right. How long have you gone since you told your last lie, Brennan? Uh. Probably a year. 
Damn, you lions. No, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> would you rather be the president or win the lottery? I'd be the president, and then I would rig it to where I then won the lottery. Frogman answer. That is a that's, total. That's like an extra 10 points, to- right? More than 10. That's you, a 100 pointer. No, no, no. If you come on as the frogman and you don't throw the frogman, frogman juice out, we start tacking the points on. We'll keep a, 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 a tally of how yeah. bad they are. All right. All right. You ready? All right. The Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Led Zeppelin? Led Zeppelin, hands down. Win the Super Bowl or win the World Series? Super Bowl. Duh. He did play <laughs> professional football. We were supposed to be alternating. Oh, okay. Check, Roger. <laughs> All right. And I'm the one that's messed up. Did anybody kick it? I think that, that's on recording. I said it out loud, just like I told the wizard he was going to die if he threw that spear. <laughs> All right. If, if you could go back to any decade in history and live for a 10-year period, when and where would you live? The 70s. <laughs> did you know clint is stuck in the 70s did you know? it was a great generation i don't know if you know if you've ever heard of a little man named Burton leon reynolds hey uh, <laughs> all right if you could play out any character's life in your in real life who who would it be any fictional character's life in real life yeah. played out in real life i already know the answer but I, uh, incredible hope. the world needs to yeah, know it w- w- yeah the incredible hope. that's all awesome. who won the lottery and then became president <laughs> uh, all right all right what brandon what is your greatest achievement i think becoming a hot shot and a, becoming a father you know that's awesome yeah we're, yeah, we're good uh, all right we're Clay, good no, i, I, I uh, always wanted to ask him this that ghost one yeah oh if yeah you could come back as a ghost and it was it said haunt here but I was, we we first did team guy lingo i was like if you could come back as a ghost and hang out with anybody for an extended <laughs> period of time who would it be oh elvis Awesome, awesome, dude. Awesome. Most people think they're going to go negative. Yes. But he said, come back and hang out with Elvis. God, I love you, Clint. Dude, it's, yeah. uh, it's so awesome. <laughs> I mean, to hear just, if, if specifically for the six-month meatloaf season, where right. you just ate meatloaf for six <laughs> months in a row, like that's the period I would want to observe. I would want to so Check that. this out. Clint's vo- Clint, Clint has one of those voices that every time I look over and see Brennan yeah. and I hear it in my Clint in my ears, yeah. it's that strong. <laughs> that's strong it's, it's it's jumping screens Brandon, it's jumping all right you, you guys so we're so we're so thanks for playing a mad minute with us we always love to loosen up and get everybody's brain going but we're going to get to the point of why we're here and and that's brendan to really to, to ask you what everybody wants to know and at, that when they come to this show and we have some of the most amazing human beings that we're blessed to get on here to share their greatest never quit story ever so if you could what's yours I think my greatest never quit story began uh, right before I was hired on as a hotshot. And Clint has really shown me what this story means to me. And uh, it was about a week or two before fire season was about to kick off. And my daughter had just been born in March 2nd. And I was just released from jail, actually, that December. So I was a felon. Uh, Currently, I was a drug addict as well, just trying to find my way through life. And I remember in my EMT class, my emergency medical technician class, some guys were talking to some other people said, hey, we're hiring, but if you guys quit, why don't you stop by? But there was no way they were talking with me. They knew who I was. And so one day I got off work, was doing construction, and I, I drove by the station and I said, there's no reason why I even belong here. And so you know, I turned around again and I drove by and I thought about my daughter and she was about you know, a month and a half old and 
I was just going to continue to repeat what my father had done and been an absent dad. And I, I drove by a second time and I remember telling myself, you know, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. I, I've, I've faced no's my entire life. And uh, because of my own decisions, my own bad decisions. And the third time I drove by and I was like, hey, either you get in there right now or you take off and you quit on your daughter. You know, you got two options, either become a wow. man, step up, be a dad or uh, just, just get out of her life and stop wasting time. And so I pulled in, you know, I pulled in and I seen these these dudes, these tan fit looking guys. And I'm like, I definitely do not belong here. <laughs> and I was so out of it that I had tucked my T-shirt into my underwear. Awesome. So, uh, but I didn't know that. And I walk in there. And hey, if, just, you can, if you can pull it off, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah. I like to say own that shit. I mean, you pull, you, if you, if you pull one you, like that, you, just own it. Yeah. You say that like that's a bad thing. <laughs> Clint, uh, Clint, all of the three of us still do that, by the way. On think, we didn't even catch that that was a problem until you that said was your first, That was your first sign of potential greatness. Right that, that was yeah, it right I, I didn't there. even pick that up until he started saying something about it. I'm like, oh, hey, guys, that's, we're supposed to say something. That's, that's not, more It's more squared away. All right, so you yeah. got it, and what <laughs> happened? Squared away. <laughs> <laughs> hell, yes, it is. Oh, that is man. square the hell away, man. That shirt is not coming It ain't coming out in the surf zone. It ain't coming oh, out. No. Man. And so I walk in. It's a tank top. You know, in some Johnny Utah way, I tuck it in. I go and I see the guy from my class, and he's a he's a squad boss. And I, you know, hey Daniel, you guys hiring? And instantly was like, hey, no, we're filled up, sorry. And so it just sunk in. You know, I, I just hit me, and I'm like, this is it. I don't, I don't, I can't even get hired at McDonald's. So as I'm walking out, I grab the door, and, and the man I know today, my superintendent Eric Marsh, he goes, hold on one second, son. So I turn around and I look at him, and he goes, do you have your qualifications? And I remember, you know, stuttering, and I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, well, can you do an interview? And in my head, I'm like, all right, I got a week to prepare for it. I'll come in. And I'm like, yes, sir, whenever you'd like. So he told me to take a seat and sit down. Wow. And I was a complete shock. I'm like, I'm about to do an interview right now with this man. And I don't even feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I'm a part of what these men stand for. And so I go in, and I sit down in this little room, and these, these two big, big, huge dudes, one of them's my captain, and a uh, former Marine was just a complete total jarhead, 260, buff, and uh, sits right next to me. Another big guy, middle linebacker, played college football. They squeeze me in between this couch. There's seven of them in this room, and they just start drilling me on questions. And, I, I mean, it was the hot seat for sure. And in my head, all I could think about was my daughter. All I could think about was, was l- letting her down. And not being honest with these men, because if I had anything to hold back or if they were to find out anything from my past that I lied about, I'd, I'd never be able to keep that job. So it was a really intense interview. It got, you know, my drug addiction. Um, a week before then, I just pretty much tried quitting heroin. Wow. And here I am detoxing and trying to be a dad and, and trying to get life together. And I'm trying to become a hotshot, trying to become a fireman and hold integrity values that these men have and i just you know was lucky enough and fortunate enough to see for them they knew i was a father and i told them i had a two-month-year-old daughter and that's that's when they took a chance on me they saw something in me that i never knew i even had and that that's kind of one of my never quit stories and just where it began because these men they believed in me like no one else had more than my father my own mother my family my own brother they just saw something that 
I could never pull out of myself. And, you know, I, I think that's when hell began for me because I went straight into, hey, straight into the gym and straight into running. It just organically happened to where I would never run that much in my life. I'd never tried to compete like that when I got hired. And I remember we were doing a, a 10K run and it's hot. It's about 90 degrees out. There's not a stitch of shade. I'm in last place on the run. My superintendent has already lapped me on this 10K coming up behind me. And he goes, hey, Brennan, you know, he whispers in my ear. He goes, hey, if you quit on yourself now, you're going to quit for the rest of your life on your wow. daughter. And, and I wanted nothing more in that moment just to, just to stop and be like, hey, I don't belong here. These men, they train their whole life for this. These guys, this is what they want to be. I'm, I'm trying to be them, and I, and I can't achieve that. And they continue to push me. They continue to show me that I could be that person, that I could change. And that's kind of the, one of the most pivotal, powerful moments in my life that those men never gave up on me. I had those father figures and those mentors that, you know, was gone when I was a younger kid. And they just really showed me not only how to be a firefighter, but most importantly, a father. And those are life lessons I'll hold on to for the rest of my life and be able to pass on to other people. That, that that's that's phenomenal. I mean, it's really just a, an incredible thing that re- really sums up the brotherhood, if you will. And and Clint, if you could, could you expand on on why that's so important for for all of us that are making it through those transitional points where we're kind of in doubt of ourselves and our abilities? Why is it so pivotal to have that strong support network around us? Well, you know, and I think I think it's and when Brennan and I were first talking about that moment, you know, everybody has that crossroads moment where the world's giving you every excuse and, and every opportunity to fail and become less than, and you have lots of precedent and all these other things. A lot of people didn't do it either. And you have all these things, but you have the still silent voice inside you that decides, "Is I don't want to yield yet. Like I'm, I, I'm not going to quit yet." And we all have those moments. And, and as Brennan and I got to know each other, and he started telling my story, his story. I was like, you know, you can reverse engineer everything back to that fourth trip back in front of the firehouse where you kind of got to the point where you were, you knew what was going to happen if you didn't turn right and go into the fire station. I mean, you knew what was going to happen, right? But you had just enough courage and just enough um, fire in the gut to, to, to be willing to encounter failure over there too. Cause you knew you were going to get failure if you kept going straight. And so the prospect of encountering failure, if you turn right, but, but you might not. And, and I just, you know, for me, and we all have those moments, you know, we have Absolutely. everyone has, you know, in, in, in our training, what, what our head, our training drives us to that moment. So we can daily, right. Decision. Yeah. Sure, I mean, yeah. That's, that's what it does every time. I, and we get into that a lot about the repetitiveness of the TV shows we watch and all that stuff like that. If you can see, see it in your, I like to say it like this. So if you've ever done something, for example, taken uh, uh, an empty water bottle and hummed it all the way across the room and it happened to fall into the garbage can, that big lock, <laughs> just something amazing like that. You're like, oh, I could never do that again. Well, yeah, you can. Because what just yeah. happened is a snapshot into what it takes for everything in your body to line up to make that happen, right? right. And if you can see it in your head and in your in your dreams, and that, that's, that's why I'm not even a fast runner in my dreams, dude. I'm not. I, I get caught. Because yeah. yeah. you would be lying to yourself if you yeah. did. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the goon goon when i'm asleep too i'm the goon when i'm awake i'm the goon when i'm asleep there's no there's no iteration or no, no. Uh-uh. plane of existence where i'm not the goon yeah i think i might even could fly in my dreams but i just can't run fast because it's you know 
it's it's hilarious. But if you, I've always been, man. If I can see it in my head, then I know I'm capable of it. And then I I watch it over and over again in that repetitive motion. And then it goes into what you're saying with. Man, sometimes you get jammed up by yourself in a hole. It takes that team to drag you out of there. And the best jobs, I think, on the planet are done with uh, with those, uh, with other guys. Absolutely. And, and that past you keep referring to yeah. about being in the hole, man, we, we don't refer to it as, as a, I mean, a misstep. Everyone labels something. We look at it as, a, as being tested. So you went down a road and, and you got tested down in there harder than anything. And then you lived through it, right? So now that you came back... Anytime anybody refers to that, like, oh, yeah, I, I've been down there. I can handle it. I don't need to go down anymore because I didn't get anything out of it. It's a dead end, right? So, But you have the knowledge you had and the perspective you have from being down there. Because it is, man. When you're on drugs, it's a different perspective. Absolutely. Right? So once you've retrained yourself out and then got into and it's usually guys like that who have been on in, in some rough spots, and they make the greatest chiefs and, and, and leaders because yeah, by far, especially dude. if they're quiet they're and, the and they're like, man, you don't know about that dude's past. It's freaking nuts. But I learned everything. I mean, these younger guys be like, I learned everything. I'm alive because of that guy. Because you had the fortitude and everyone thinks that they're not that that uh that you're not good enough, man. That to, but you uh, are. to do something. Yeah, but everybody has that. Everybody has that feeling. And if you just know that uh at that one time that, that man, I think everybody kind of and that's the unique part about it. once you realize that every human's the same and behind that face and that exterior that we build up on the outside, those butterflies and everything is kicking as well. And if you just try, man, just get out there and try, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Brendan, I, I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but I've, I told it to you and I tell it to pretty much all the guys that kind of come through our pipeline. I said, fear the unscarred man because he's either lying to you or he's never dared. And neither of neither liars or those who have ever never dared are worth being around. You know, fear the unscarred man because he's either lying to you or he's never dared. I want men with scars. I want dudes teaching me that believe it because they've done it the wrong way and <laughs> managed to survive and, and managed to overcome their mistakes, man. You know, there's this hilarious I don't know if any of y'all ever learned from, but I went to this, went to this one course for this improvised explosive course. And the dude, when he was telling us what time to be back, he held up his hands and he had like, he had like four fingers on both hands. And I was like, this dude's got yeah, some. I can learn that guy right there. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's been bit. He's, he's blowing the rest of those suckers off. So we can he learn what not to do from that cat so, for sure. That, that's a great yeah. point. And, and what, what you learn from each one of those people really catapults you. So Brennan, as you are now, all of a sudden your, your chief is whispering in your ear, you're starting to believe in yourself. You're starting to gain that ground and you, you made it into that group and, you know, what was it like on that first fire that you guys were all together in that, in that, tell us about that space in your heart and what that must have felt like from how far you've come, how far, you know? Yeah. That first fire we went on, there's two parts to it that I, one story Clint loves. And, uh, for me, it makes me anxious talking about it, but we'll get to it. And, uh, there's a Chiricahua national mountain monument forest. Um, it's a sky Island. It's from, you know, sea level to 11,000 feet there's snow on the mountains and this fire is every which way in between and i remember we get there and we we bed down we sleep and i wake up early in the morning it's like hey we're going in on a helicopter i'm like i don't know if i really signed in for that but sure um first helicopter ride of my life and so i get there and it's an old vietnam pilot and he's like counting numbers with a pen and paper like making sure we're light enough to get up there. And I'm like, there's no way. I was like, hey, do you want to borrow my cell phone, grab a calculator? And so he ended up getting some numbers right, and he takes us up there. The, the doors are off, and, and it was a lifetime experience, and I haven't even gotten on wow. fire yet. So 
we get to the top of this peak and we're all we all landed there's a few shuttles and i remember hiking into this fire just thinking how did i even end up here like what was the process of becoming this man to to be on this team and with these guys and it, it was still tough that i i didn't really have that confidence in myself but they had enough confidence in in me to go with them they could have just left me at home and could have kept training and when we first started digging, I remember just just watching these guys and the way they worked and how they communicated with each other. And as that those the, that two weeks went on, I just really was able to bond with them and learn, you know, no matter what the job is and how bad it sucks, as long as you have someone to embrace it with, it, it's it's one of the easiest things you can ever do. And that's where the brotherhood really came in. When when you're sitting there and you miss your family or it's a hard day, or you're doing a 36-hour shift, and you haven't sleep, and you're running off coffee coffee in Copenhagen, and you have the guy next to you, and you get a laugh at his pain, too. Yeah. You know? I, and I was the laugh for most people. I was the youngest, the newest, the rookie, so everyone was laughing at me, just aching and, you know, half-swinging my tool sometimes and just getting chewed out. And it was them that, that never quit on me. And I never wanted to let them down because I felt, I felt loved. I felt that brotherhood that I haven't felt my, my entire life. I felt that mentorship. And it was like, hey, if you let them down, what, what else am I going to do? Where else am I going to go? Here's why I want to be. I've been dreaming about this since I was 14. And now here I am. And don't, don't, fuck it up. <laughs> don't forget about the and dream. You, you, know, like, you know, what you were experiencing, Brendan, at that time, what you were experiencing was life bigger than you. And I think that's one of the things that our brotherhoods reveal to us is when life gets bigger than us, you have so much more to live for than just yourself. And we're not wired to live for ourselves. It's, you know, the, the, the people who can do it are, are, are not the people that I, I particularly enjoy being around, nor do I think they have magnificent lives. But when your life gets bigger than you and you have more to live for than just yourself, that's when you're really living. And that was really maybe the first time in your life, Brennan, that you had, you, you'd had a, a, a tribe, you know, that's you, right. you, you, you've been part of something that was bigger than you. Yeah. I mean, you, look, you're talking about your family and, and, and all, there, all that training and the love for the family. They're standing right there with you. I mean, in, in, in our world, when that goes yeah. down, it doesn't matter. There's n- everything else is white noise. Except right. for them dudes standing right there with me when this when it jumps off, that's all that matters. And if you got him with you, then you got everything. It is everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like me. Oh, that's how I felt. And with those guys, and that's like what Clint's saying. I I was so selfish as a younger kid to do drugs and to you know to continue down that path. When I finally understood that life is bigger than me, and what's most important is Amen. supporting my daughter. That my life, when my daughter was born, my life didn't end. But, but what I needed to do changed. And it was only for her. That's what those men were able to teach me. And that, that's what I pulled out of that, that first fire was, hey, life's a lot bigger than you. And so is this fire. And if you try and take anything head on in life, you're on your own, you're going to fail. Not too many times you can succeed with just yourself. But I was fortunate enough, and so were we. I had 19 brothers, mentors that that stood behind me with anything in any decision I had. You know, you probably don't see it, but I'm I'm a slow runner as well, and I'm a hundred. Are you in the goon squad too, Brandon? <laughs> well, let, let's be real clear, Brandon. I'm somewhat of an officiant. I don't want a slow runner. So, so you you can bandy about like, yeah, I'm a slow runner. But I'll be the judge of that because. 
because I, I know what a slow roller actually, is. Actually, I, I know how actually slower I am than them because I don't refer to it as running. <laughs> yeah. And Brennan, man, what I took from yeah. what you just said, and firefighters have the probably most unique perspective on life than anybody. I think so. Right? Because that fire, and when you kind of yeah. what I took from that are things are too big to tackle by yourself sometimes and, and in a day. Right, yeah. And the only way you, sometimes you're going to get around that monster is not hitting it right in the face. Is just backing up with your boys, reevaluating, and hitting it from all different angles. And that's how you take down a fire. Right. And with a fire in life, right? It changes constantly, right. and it's always burning. All right, thank you. How I are you going to hit? I've got you, dude. I didn't finish that. I've got somebody. <laughs> oh, right, throwing me a lifeline, Brennan. You. <laughs> all right, Brennan. So you you get into the fire, you start sinking in, and of. Obviously, you know, one of the things that makes you so special and so so wonderful and, and why we had you on is, is for the, the, the event that happened where you did lose your brothers and, and all of us here are, are with you in solidarity because we've all lost a, a lot of brothers too. But one of the things I, I don't want to necessarily talk about the incident itself at all unless you want to, but what I want to talk about is your climb out of it. And really, to help us understand that, because that, in my in mind, makes you one of the strongest human beings I, I've, you know, I've, I've been blessed to meet, brother. So if you could share with us, share with our listeners about that climb out. Well, and I think that's what the listeners need to hear, too, because, you know, listeners are, uh, we don't know, there could be someone listening that's in their version of your hell. And, you know, and, 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 and it's the road out of hell is, is, is yep. what people need to hear about, because hell, hell always looks and feels the same for anybody, just whatever their particular hell is. Right. But those who found their way out and, 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 and climb the road out, that's, that's what someone listening right now needs to hear is, you know, where'd you plant your flag in the ground? How'd you do it? How do you continue to do it? And, and man, that's the part of your story that I'm, that I'm, I'm probably most proud of, man. For me, you know, June 30th, 2013, I lost 19 of my brothers and to be able to put that in comprehension for some people, mm-hmm. you just can't, you know, we've all had experiences where we can't just, we, people can't even fathom. And so what began after that was just a snowball effect of, of funerals and memorials and interviews and just reliving this experience and this trauma and the guilt, you know, I felt like I was in shock for weeks to come after that. I really didn't comprehend what was going on in life, you know, where I was and how I was going to continue to be a dad without my brothers. And, and for the two and a half years that I worked with them, you know, it, I was 21 when this happened. I feel like I still needed a lot more mentorship. And so it just was really a hit to the gut because not only was it a job and a career that supported my family, but it was everything that made me who I was today. And instead of going down that dark path, it took me to a higher place. And it, it's been a whirlwind and getting getting through that was because of the people that were around me. I lost that tribe and I tried finding those people again. And sometimes I found them in the wrong places. I found the wrong coping skills. I, you know, we turned, I turned to alcohol and my mom, I remember my mom telling me, she says, I'm not worried about you killing yourself. I'm worrying about you overdosing mm-hmm. because of my drug addiction. And that, and I really took that to heart because my mom knew a lot of the guys on the crew. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, I mean, my roommate, we used to have Thanksgiving together, Christmas dinner. You know, he'd come over to our house. His family's all across the country, so he'd be with us. And and she lost him as well. And I didn't want her to lose another son because of a stupid decision that I almost made 
four years prior, you know, using drugs. So I really stuck by staying clean. But even then the struggle was, it was just hard. The guilt just would not, would not go away. The depression, I remember laying in bed and my, my daughter just jumping up and down, trying to get me up, trying to get me out. I couldn't, I couldn't crawl out of it. Wow. I, there was nothing that was getting me out of that bed. And it, and it hurt so much because she was every fighting reason that I ever had. And for her to almost mean kind of nothing because I was so blinded by the pain, it, it just set me even deeper. And that's when I had reached out to um, Marcus and the Lone Survivor Foundation. And that's yep. when, Clint, when it, Clint was introduced to my life. And I remember talking with Clint for months and I, I still couldn't even comprehend what I was going through. And it was a year after the incident that I'd met Clint and it, it just still didn't make sense. I was still making the same mistakes, using the wrong coping skills, not talking with counselors, you know, going to memorials, trying to, trying to hold my shit together when really there, there was no, there was none of that. It was just a shell of who I was. And when I met Clint, I knew, I knew when he spoke, he was right. I knew what he was saying was proven because of the scars that he was sharing with me. And he was able to help me understand my, my pain like no one else has. He was able to point me in the right direction of like, hey, you, you should probably you know, take care of this and go see a counselor. We all go through this and you're not alone. And he showed me that. And he introduced me to men and women that, that stand behind me once again. And I can't say thank you enough for that. But going through that, you have to find the people around you to help you because there's no way you're climbing out of it on your own. There, there's no way. I don't, I don't care who you are. You can't climb out of something like that on your own will because when you get knocked down like that, they're, they're, you need those people to be around you again, and they're not. They're gone. The people that always picked me up were gone. You know, and I think I think it's not a reflection of strength or anything. I think we're not supposed to climb out of no. those holes by ourselves. I mean, it's just we're not we're not knitted together for that. That's not how we were created or designed. We, you know, there's yeah. no there's no you know you know self rescue is really more self arrest. You, you're stopping yourself or you hurt yourself more, but you but you can only you know when people say self rescue, I'm for me I always think self arrest, and I always have that vision of you know you're sliding, you know you're up on K you know two or whatever that mountain is, and you're sliding and all you can do is you're sliding off and you drive your ice axe into the ground and you stop yourself. But stopping yourself and saving yourself are two different things. Now, you can stop yourself. The individual has power to stop themselves. Um, but as soon as they stop themselves, they have to get help. And you have to have well, someone come to your aid. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not a brain doctor and Morgan is on this one. Right? Your brother is. Yeah, yeah. Right, but you, know, you always hear people that are talking about, I'm alcoholics and it's an addiction, it's a disease, it changed me and this, that, and the other. But we... From our own experiences, from what I always, because uh, well, we we had a lot of fun drinking whiskey, and people take pills and drugs and stuff like that to have a good time, mm -hmm. and then people also drink to not have a good time. So I, the drug itself can produce both side effects of that, right? Absolutely. And, and the constant in right. both those, right. or no, the 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 one the thing that's not the constant is the people. So whenever it is you're taking right. the drugs and you're with your boys, you're having a great time, and you don't abuse them. A minute men like us alienate ourselves because we don't like to look weak in front of our friends no matter who you are i don't care that's the case yep right and then when it, if, yep. if you're the elder or the alpha of the group you will automatically pull yourself off to the side and and take the problem head on by yourself which is 
the craziest thing to me, because as hard as we train to overcome all these huge obstacles, i.e. fires or wars or whatnot, the minute we go, we, we get a little pain behind us and we don't want to complain about it. We, we go to the pills and the bottles, and then we ate it Or the introspection eats us away, right. right? Yeah. Introspection, I'm not a huge fan of introspection. How come? Man. I think there's an el- well, I think there's an element of introspection where it's helpful um, in, in, in kind of a self-analysis, self-awareness. And view, definitely but, in that. But yeah, after, for sure. But, 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 after, but after that, man, I mean, too much, uh, too much isolation and too much introspection. I, listen, I, the vo- I, I've, I've heard the voice in my head for a lot of years, and I've just come to grips with the fact that that dude's a jerk. <laughs> Like the guy. Yeah, no, hey, no, like there's that. absolutely you time know, to be by yourself and reflect. I'm talking about, you know what I mean, Bruce. The no, guys when like, you're sitting doing, there with no, the no, bottle no, of I'm Jack. Saying, I'm agreeing with. I, I'm yeah. agreeing. Yeah, when you yeah. when you put those window shades down and it's just thing, you yeah. and the pills or yeah. you and the bottle, that's the problem. Yeah, right. that's what yeah. we're yeah. all talking about. Extended period of time, not just a night. Everybody's got to unwind. Yeah. Sure. No, you're tracking. I think Clint's saying the same thing. And Clint, you're you're right, right? I I you know the 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 introspection, the self deprecation, the the ma- magnifying the guilt uh, as it relates to a loss or a lack of action or yeah. whatever. That it, and then to anesthetize right. that pain through your own you know your own manner. It, that's the devastation it, it, that it, it goes against itself because if you do isolate yourself to meditate and to think, yeah. well, that's what you're doing. But if you take the drug to and that uh, destroys the mechanism that you were that you're using for reflection, yeah. then, then then what are you doing? Your body just falls into that so, hole. So so for me, so for me, the way I the way I describe that and the way I articulate that to other guys is I'm like, hey, listen, you know, shame is the shovel that Satan will use to bury you. There's no biblical provision oh. for shame. There's no there's no value in shame. What there is, and, and Brennan's heard me say this before, re, you know, regret's okay. Like regret is real. Regret is the it's all the I wish I would have or I wish I wouldn't have that kind of make up our lives. And regret is actionable. You can do something after regret, but the minute you kind of reach that uh, uh, that, that that value proposition of regret. Every second past that value proposition of regret becomes it, 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 you can call that shame. And there's no Not, value in that. And there's people no help put that on you. So, so, right? so, so finding that line between regret and shame and, and understanding yourself enough to go like, hey, man, I've, I've gone past. And part of, you know, understanding and, heart and, and, and sucking the marrow out of regret so you just make new mistakes, that's, a, that's introspection. Introspection helps you do that. But we all have to know that there's a point in time where that law of diminishing returns has set in and, and our soul is no longer blessed by how much we're thinking about that or, or even what we think about ourselves. And we got to call in these other voices that aren't our voices to say, hey, you know what, let's come back over here. And that's what being tribal is. That's that's what we know. That's, and that's why we breed it into our programs with the way we after action things, the way we kind of chase each other down, the way we, you know, if you go in the wormhole, I'm coming right after you because because I know if I go in the wormhole, you're going to come after me. This is what this is what that kind of brotherhood, that tribal lifestyle is like. I, I mean, we see that. The, yeah. They're like, what? Well, what happens? How, how, what's the what's the kicker? What's the signal? Well, when we notice that all the the things that that hold uh, us to you is gone, and, and we're starting to see that, that's when something kicks in, and all of us when we go and snatch you, you snatch out, snatch him out. Brandon, when was the first time as you're pulling yourself out and you're starting to realize, all right? When was the first time that you started hearing your daughter's voice again? And what was that like? It's mm. a great question. That's a, yeah, I think it was, it was really hit or miss at first, you know, it was so often that when I did have those moments of happiness from her, I, I couldn't even realize it. But when I 
really started comprehending it is when I started counseling, mm-hmm. you know, and that was about a year and a half after the incident, I started counseling. And within the first few sessions, I realized how much hurt, even though I wasn't telling my daughter, you know, I wasn't yelling at her. I just wasn't giving her the emotion that she deserved. And that's what I noticed. And that's when I kind of made a change in my mind. Like, Hey, even though I'm, she doesn't, I'm not expressing my hurt and I'm not crying in front of her. She still, she can feel. Amen. And so that's when I just took a turn and I was like, Hey, and I, and I got to the same point I was when I was driving in that car back and forth in front of the station. Like, Hey, either do this for your daughter, get out of her life. Yeah. And I, and I started feeling that pain again. I'm like, I'm hurting her. I'm doing more, more bad than good. Just being around my presence is nothing. If there's nothing behind it, if there's no, if there's no love, if there's no passion behind it, why am I even here? So that's a, that's a, another low I got to. And that's when I told myself, I'm going to do anything and everything it takes to be, to be better again. If it's counseling, if it's talking, if it's explaining my story, if it's reliving it every day, you know, whatever I have to do, educating myself to learn about trauma and what we go through, I'm going to do it. And that's where Clint came in. That's where Clint said, Hey, this is, these are the things that you're going to experience. And these are what you have experienced and other men are experiencing it right now. And so it was kind of a hard reality check. It was like, Hey, get off your ass, step it up. You have it in you. It's there. And I, and I needed someone to tell me that because without that tribe, without my mentors, without my, my superintendent whispering in my ear, Hey, if you quit now, you're going to quit for the rest of your life on your daughter. I was lost. I needed that direction at 21. And we, and we, you know, we all need that. You know, me burying my dad, me burying my dad when I'm young and, you know, and, you know, looking at a mom and looking at a, you know, a little brother and a sister and I'm the oldest son. And it's like, Hey, all eyes on you now. And, you know, it sucks to be young and in charge of your family, but that's the way it used to be. Hell, younger ages, man. I mean, we just stepped into we, the fold. We, we all, yeah, without question, without question. So th- th- there's, you know, we need to be good with it, not knowing how to do that when that happens, but you can't stay like that for long. You just got to, you know, and it's kind of one of the things, you know, Marcus, right, we've had these young guys come up like, hey, sir, w- when they start shooting at you, like, which way do you move? And I go, mm. yes. I go, yes. And they go, what do you mean? I'm like, just, <laughs> Move, bro. Just move. Like, nah, just make sure you're in my way. Yeah, there's better ways to move than others, but standing there ain't real good. So the right. answer is yes. You know, now, now once we decide we're going to move, then we can look at the map and go. Yeah, trust me, you you'll know. know right up back, whatever. But moving out is always, taking ground is always going to, always going to produce fruit. Well, Clint, one of the things that I want to do, and today is just so our listeners know, and, you know, we record these shows early. Today is the actual anniversary right. of Extortion, Extortion. 17. Right. And that was for Brandon. I, I know you're familiar with it. Probably that's that's our greatest loss in our our unit's history. Uh, and, and I know each one of us has friends on on there. But one of the beautiful things that I really cherish that comes out of of this great tragedy for us is the inspiration to to take the message to others. Yeah. The in, the inspiration to share the beauty of these individuals' lives and to go out. And I know, Brandon, you have now started to do the same thing. You've linked up with Carry the Load and Clint's organization. Why do you feel it's so important to get out there and speak on behalf of your brothers? I think, you know, one of the biggest things for me is to be able to honor them and continue to remember them. I I want these families and these young children, my my brother's kids that I I see all over town. You know, a lot of these families live here and I, I see their children, our children go to school together. 
I want them to know that I will never stop honoring and carrying their legacy on and sharing their story. And that that's the beauty of what I get to do. And by telling people about them and how they helped me and how they brought me out of my pit, then I get to inspire other people. And I get to share with them a story that not too many people get to hear. I have an opportunity. As men in our situation, we all have an opportunity to change lives. And that's why we do it. We do it because we want to help others. We do it because we know what it's like to be in that pain. We remember that pain and we'll never forget it. And it's sometimes it's on the front of our brain. Sometimes it's in the back. But every day we wake up, we strap our boots on, we put a pair of pants on just like everyone else. One leg at a time. Unless you're Clint Bruce and you jump into him. <laughs> Clint, or Clint. Or I'm wearing a kilt. If I'm wearing a kilt. Yeah, or you're wearing you know, a kilt. You know, it just Clint, slips right I, on. Clint, I know you got a hard time here. You got to hop off. So I, I want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody about what the things that you're doing right now uh, and how you're helping other people like you've helped Brandon. Yeah, well, real quick, well, well, just to go back, Brandon, I, I don't know if you remember this. I, I told you this one time, and, and, I, and I say it often, um, in kind of like our fraternity, like this this kind of group of men and women who, who just kind of live the life that we live. I said, you know, there are those of us who have been given more time, and, and, and a lot of us agonize on whether or not we should have been given more time or not. But if you're one of those people who are elected to be given more time, the very worst thing you could ever do is to waste that time given. And, and, and to not use that time to, to, to celebrate the lives of those we left behind, those who didn't come home. I mean, one of the reasons I think all of us love talking so much is, is most of the time we're sharing with people what we learn from someone else. And what we sometimes Amen. that someone else isn't with us anymore. And when we get to share with you what we learn from them, in a, in a way, it, bring, it brings them back to life again. Somebody else is going to teach those lessons. That's yes. right. I mean, same ones we went through in the heart and, and or it could be the same lesson and we went through it a different way. I mean, for us to sit and I, I picked this up when I had kids, too, man. And, and the same thing Clint was saying. And, and don't ever look at yourself as the lone survivor. I never did that. Right. As soon as I got back, every one of my teammates are standing right there. Right. OK, that was a, that that lone survivor was in a sentence in the book that Patrick had written in there and said that this was going to be the title of it. I had I mean. Don't ever think of yourself as the lone one because there's plenty of hot shots running around here. And now you're, you're, you're part of this Amen. crew, right? And if you, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, man, but when you run, when you, when you're on drugs, you get treated like a drug addict. Yeah. When you act like a warrior, you get treated like one. When, That's right. When, when you act like a man, you get treated like one. And that goes for anything. For everything. Anything yeah. and everything. When people perceive you a certain way and you act accordingly, like a certain way, they, you will get treated like one. And if you've been through something like you've been through, man, you, you keep raising your head up, taking care of that daughter. No amount of money, no amount of power, anything like that. When people treat you like, I'm sure you, the way you're getting treated because of the way you carry yourself, you understand what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. And that's all you need, man. Everything else is just kind of like that white noise. And one thing that happens with guys when they get down in the ditches real deep, man, when you come back out of there, the thing you value most of all is the thing that keeps you alive. Yep. Most important. And that stuff gets stacked up. And it, I mean, you do li not literally see anything else it has to be pointed out to you and other than that it's like I, I it's not really important to me that's why today when my wife only tells me what i need to know because i if she tells me the whole the details of it i will decide for myself whether or not how much more important that is than her and it, <laughs> it probably won't go down <laughs> you know what i mean yes you're awesome that's, dude. that's fair that's fair you know and, and you know one of the things that'll happen we we just you know and you told me one time Brendan, how much you respect and admire Marcus. And, and I remember I, I told you, I said, well, you should, told you, not to. you should respect admire Marcus and you should respect admire Morgan. And, 
And as you get to know Rut and some of these other guys, like every guy that you've met, you know, Mark Chapone, I mean, just the guys that you've been around. And if all of us have different stories and all of us have uh, different realities and, and different pieces of who we are. But what I tell you is the one thing that you you find in all of us is just you have this relentlessness. You have this um, unwillingness to ever quit, you know, the, 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 the never quit. And, and, and that's what you, you, you've done every day since I've known you. You woken up every morning and decided uh, to I'm not going to quit today. I'm not going to quit today. I'm not going to quit today. And I don't know what today's going to look like, but quitting ain't going to be a part of it. And, and that's, there's, there's magic in that. And it's going to bring is. people around you and let you speak into their lives with authorship Glory. and credibility and authority that nothing but surviving can give you. You're, yeah. What it is, it boils down to, you need to have one dominant person in your life. It needs to be a positive one. One thing we have in the SEAL teams is it's all positive. Dominant males just kind of shuffled into one thing. Well, that's your dominant is your daughter now. Yeah. Always I has mean, you been. Bow, yeah, bow your head Always down has that. been. I mean, that positive influence. And that's, I mean, literally, when you get up in the morning, it's check on board. What is she? Because that's my wife is mine. So when I wake up, that dom, it's just what, what, what I need to do. Tell me. Yep. Tell I me. love it. And then once you, that, never, ever go all the way in that hole by yourself. Always have that dominant. And that's what Clint is to me and Rudd is to me. They cover down on one of my weaknesses. They have it. It's so strong in them and, and so kind of weak in me that when they're around, I, I'm good to go. It's a battery being recharged or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's, but, that's what you look for and you found it. So, I but, mean, but every, but every one of us would say that about like, Hey man, I, I'm, I'm only as good as my, my swim buddies and my teammates. And so, you know, you've seen me live this out loud. Like I'm as good as the guys I have around me because they're not going to let me be less than I should be. So, you know, the, right, they know. I, Mar- Marcus yeah. Luttrell is, inca- it, 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 is, it, is it is incapable. Marcus has, does not have the capacity to be weak. It is not in his <laughs> DNA. He doesn't know how to do it. It's not a part of who and what he is. But he's hard on himself, just like we're all hard on ourselves. And where he's hard on himself, we're strong. Where I'm hard on myself, he's strong. Unless he and I are running, and then we just make fun of people who are faster than us. <laughs> then it's just horrible. And I go, and then Brandon and I go flying right by him. That's why I was a medic, and he's the officer. Yeah. We we're always together. See, see, Marcus and I, Marcus and I know how to. We know how to fight, so we don't have to run. That's, That's right. Hey, Marcus, I'm changing forever. You and I aren't slow runners. We are methodical runners. Thank you. Methodical, <laughs> I love it. I love focused intentional methodical runners. runners. <laughs> intentional running with a purpose. We have a hey, Clint. We should throw a methodical race. <laughs> we should. You know, hey, listen. I know, you know my first conditioning run when the buds and when the instructors told me that I was going negative miles per hour. Right. And, yeah. then, and then they they told me that they thought that the that the that I was going so slow that I'd actually slowed down the Earth's rotation and was actually rotating the Earth backwards, yeah. which I thought was a little bit hurtful. But R- Reno used to you say, hurt. "Reno would say he he would clock my time on a, on his calendar at his desk." That's exactly from, right. from a four-hour time run. That's what he'd say. He's like. Oh man, my God! The bottom line is, I'm sorry to have to jump on this call, man. This is a highlight of my day being on the phone with my brothers, Brennan. You know, keep talking to these guys, keep sharing your story, and 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 the the bottom line is, is you're not done writing your story yet. None of us are, and it's been a real pleasure and an honor to to watch as you've written these last few chapters. Um, just like it is with Rudd and 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 Marcus, to be able to live life along uh, men like this and the women who love them well is is no small thing. So. We you know, love welcome, you, Bruce. Welcome to that. So love you guys too. Holler yeah. tell later. All right, Brennan. The next question now that you know, and, and I gotta tell you, that that dude right there is one of the best human beings I've ever had the the pleasure, the blessing from God to meet in my life. And oh, yeah. for, for you to have him as 
a mentor and a, and a close friend. And you kind of jumped to the head of the line there. Holy shit. Oh. Right, right, uh, right up to the front, brother. And I love yeah, it. Yeah. The front so door. I'm fortunate to be able to have a mentor like Clinton, the people who's introduced me that just really, I mean, I feel, I feel at home when I come to Dallas. I, I, you know, I go out there, I just show up in TRG and I just watch people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just here to like, I'm just here to learn. I'm just here to be around great men. No. Well, I mean, look, there's got to be, look, man, there's got to be something about you that people, that somebody sees something, you wouldn't be there with him. Now. And I mean, look, you're a young age, you got shotgunned into something you probably didn't want to have anything to do with. You're just getting your feet wet and, and, and loving that direction you were going. Yeah. You're still going in the same direction. Well, and that's what I want to ask him about. I want to ask him, you're, you're on the path that Marcus is talking about right now, and you know that. I mean, I, you can hear it in your voice as you mm-hmm. as you so eloquently describe these very pivotal moments with addiction. You know, the birth of your daughter, the joining the force. You know, the the incident of losing your brothers, where, and where you're at now, man. What is in the store for you in the future? I think well, one thing I do know is I'm going to wake up every every morning with that mentality, that never quit mentality, and and I'm going to wake up and and, and whether, whatever it is today in that morning. It's going to be a full plate and, and men like us, we're going to go back and we're going to want more. I don't want one. Hey, man. I want two servings. You know, I'm, I want to be hungry I want, and I'm hungry right now to change lives. I, I finished, uh, published my book in May and it was really a tell all people, you know, they thought, oh, it's just going to be about Yarnell. But I, I dove into my drug history. And I dove into my suicidal thoughts after I lost my brothers. I got into it, you know, and I wanted to share that because I know someone's going through that pain and that's what saved my life is. And Bruce sharing his scars, hearing people like Marcus speak, and that team that he put together, hearing their stories impacts me in a way that I want to impact others. I want to be half the man that, that these mentors I have are and continue to impact lives and, and be honest and be real with who I am. Hey, I struggle. I'm going to struggle. And I'm going to wear that struggle on my sleeves because I'm not scared. Oh, that's what, that. <clears throat> yeah, that's what TNQ is all about. That's the whole, that's the whole, well, the question I have for you then is now that you're doing that and you're stepping into that role, right? That, that teacher's role that we all reluctantly move into. I I like just one comment at one point. Um, it seems this way, and I'm not saying that you should go into the, become a drug addict to get this perspective. I mean, learn from us. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be there. Notice that the guys, man, when you get in that hole like that, and all it takes is that one positive push no matter how how low you are and then every guy i've heard of that comes out of that is twice as hard twice and, and, and i mean accomplishes whatever it is they want to do yeah and those stories you hear about it and it's actually the ones that they go well i didn't i didn't go in and get the job or i didn't even go ask then they're back on then it's just kind of flittered away but once they once they go down it's like going down that hole is like a slingshot yeah it is pulling yeah. you fur all the way you know what i'm talking about all the way down you just kind of hanging out down there doesn't nothing really going on you're you're conscious but you're not you're really asleep and as soon as you come out of that shotgun out of the hole the momentum that, changes that crap out of your system and and focus on on what you did wrong that's what everybody's like ah oh, you know you're sick and i'm like no man i was being tested and i and i came out of it and here i am so let's go and I, and those guys like that man just they rock and roll. They do. They do. Now, Brennan, a question I got for you now, and I think everybody listening to you and, and when they hear you talk, uh, that they're saying to you now, what, what's, what is the voice sound like of your daughter now to you in your mind, and what are you trying to teach her every single day? Wow, that's uh, I get teary-eyed thinking about that. I th- oh. I think, um, you know, the voice that my daughter's telling me is, hey, Daddy, you know, don't quit. 
you're so strong. You've been such a pivotal point in my life and I, and I need you more than you'll ever know. And I, and I try and be that. And I try and teach her the lessons of, you know, what, what it's like to, to fight for something that you believe in, you know, not too many children have the opportunity to have amazing fathers like Marcus and David and, and myself to be able to teach them experiences that we've been through. We have such an amazing opportunity. I have such an amazing opportunity to teach my daughter to go through some really tough stuff and come out on top. And that's the voice that continues to play in my head every morning when I wake up and I see her. You know, when I see my fiance and I see her daughter, it's how hard am I willing to get hit today? How that's hard? awesome. And, that, and that's what she tells me. She's like, hey, daddy, no matter how hard you get hit, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to watch you get back up because I know you get back up every time. You know what's great? <laughs> I well, love that. About the, so cool. the, the, the daughters, man, is they're the perfect teacher. So I, I'm a big proponent. Is I want to teach my kid and show them everything. Yeah. Right? I don't want somebody else teaching my kids something unless I trust them. Yeah, exactly. So when they get to that age, they can talk back and have that conversation with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to try and teach my daughter how to dance, and I am horrible at it. You right? do suck we'll, at I dancing. I do suck, right? Remember yeah. that? That's but terrible. it's fun to watch. Right, right. So, so hopefully she'll have fun watching it, and then I will take her <laughs> to the pro. But I want to be the one that fires up about it, you know, because it's my daughter, man. I, I, I knew at a young age I needed to have one when I got out. Oh, I yeah. most of us. Those oh. kind of guys, when you hear one guys like us saying there's a daughter in the future, then oh. there's a reason. We don't. I couldn't even explain why. Why do you want daughter? I don't know, man. I just don't. Now I know. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, guys like us are like, I don't. I don't know. Truly, I don't know why. Oh, you know, they'll settle me down. They'll bring levity. Whatever that yeah. excuse was, we because yeah. I heard somebody else say that. Yeah, yeah. But you don't honestly know humbleness with the yeah, man drags her ass down to bam humbleness right, right down there. the bottom. They humble I mean, you real quick, you know. Especially, I mean, my daughter's five years old and she's got some smart responses, and I'm like. I just got schooled. What just happened? <laughs> no, uh, five-year-olds are bringing levity to your life at least four or five times a day. A day. I mean, yeah. what, what's that That old phrase is, uh, never underestimate the wisdom of a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's the truth right there. So, Brennan, wh- tell us, um, all right, you know, you're on this path now. You're, you're making the decision. You're going to get out there. You, you've got the book. I heard there's a uh, you know some other stuff going on. If you want to talk about that and where people can follow you and where they can just you know pay attention and, and hear your message, why don't you share that stuff with us? Uh, you know the book was published May third, and just continuing to try and you know not get the book out there, but get the story, the, the life lessons, and be able to share that with people. And you can find it online. You know it's My Lost Brothers uh, by Brennan McDonough. And it's been huge, and it, and I, and, I, and it's made me want. I want to write another book. You know, it's really inspired me to get deeper into who I am, and kind of the psychology of trauma. It just it sparks my mind of how we attach feelings with memories that relate yep. to our childhood. I'm sitting here, and I and I'm going through counseling, and I feel abandoned, and I feel left by my brothers, and then I'm mad at my mom the time she left me at the grocery store or something, you know, <laughs> it's, it's trippy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, so, and, I, and I hope to be able to better understand that to, to help others, not to be like, Hey, I'm a doctor, but like, Hey, this is what I've experienced. And this is what I hope to be able to teach, teach others. And, you know, the other big thing right now is we're, we're filming, uh, we're filming a film and that that's been a huge experience seeing 19 other guys play my brothers and try and portray them and <laughs> trying to wow. break in it. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. I, I really can't put it into words because it's still going on. But it's like, how do you comprehend 
them being, you know, getting called by their names. It's not the actors' names. It's who they're portraying. And they're doing a really good job. And I feel like they've done a phenomenal job in honoring them. And I, and I can't wait for people to see what they sacrificed, how much they helped me. And, and that's the beauty of it. And that's going to be the experience that I get to enjoy. And the pain, too. You sure. Know. I mean, that's you're, you got to understand you're the link between and, and you had the, the family members and they're all they I don't know how y'all are doing, but we're integral because they bring that side to the actors. And if the actors are great like ours were, then they see that they get that perspective from the parents. Make no mistake about it, man. There is a huge difference between what that parent sent to, to the to the teams or into the hot shots and what what they what they are. Right. So your perspective yeah. to those actors is every night, man, when I, before I would talk to one of them, when I was first getting to know them, and I made sure I, I, I mean, got to know as many of them, as, and I spent as much time, I mean, the whole time we were filming, and I would just constantly think about the guys, the little stuff, too. I mean, the most mundane little, hey, he tied his shoes backwards, this, this, what, and not if, you, if it didn't even make it on film. Those guys, Ben Foster, I mean, I was calling him acts by the end of it. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And they, you get some of those actors that are really, that really dive into that stuff where they become what they are. Like Wahlberg, man, he, him and all those guys were, you could throw them a rifle and get them online and they go to work. Foster yeah. is shooting steel at what, 900 yards. So as well. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was insane, man. So I, and now because of that movie and because of the time we were together, man, they're my, they're my Probably. brothers, man. I, yeah. And they, they prove themselves to us, not just, and that's, that's a good thing. So make, when you're doing the right thing, being a part of that, because you don't want somebody else doing it was the no. point I wanted to go with that. And don't be afraid to say with those actors, because they're, they're the, the special forces of what they do. So you got to think every little detail you can remember to tell them will help them yeah. to bring that to life. And at the end, it's it's a, and don't shoulder all that, man. Don't even never forget that you were there being a part of that. Okay, don't yeah. don't step up on the outside and and say, you know, I think and and see yourself as that at all. Don't ever do that, man. That's and I'm not saying you would, yeah, but just good advice. No, it's really good advice, and that's that's what I've you know I've always looked for on these actors. The cool thing, there's there's so there's so many questions they have, and it they've you know I, it it makes me feel good because a lot of these actors have been able to spend time not only with the families but guys that used to be on the crew, and they've get a get they've seen a full perspective of who they're playing and you know i'll get a random phone call you know hey would would so and so chew this kind of gum and, right. and like you're saying tying shoes backwards it might not make it but they're trying to portray sure. that person so if one slight chance one of their brothers one of their family members sees something in that moment they know that's their loved one and that's the exciting that's part cool. that, that these men right. have that are really diving into it and it's really yeah. impressing me yeah and every actor is different too I mean, one of those guys might be the one who just wants to stand beside you the whole time. And that's, he just watches you. You don't talk to him, man. And they, those, they pick it up. Every one of them learn differently. So just like you were hanging out with your brothers, I mean, these guys are playing them. You're going to be, you need to become real good buddies with them is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because your, your friends that died were friends with you. They need to know that. They need to know how y'all interacted. And you need to try to interact with them like you would your friends. Friend, I'm not, no, that diff- makes no, it makes no damn thing. No, it makes sense. out with Foster and all that because they look like them. And once you grow those beards, they grew them beards out. It was dead on ring yeah. and jocked up. And once they're painted up, you, you'll get into the moment. Be out there, part of that. It's crazy watching them portray them. And you know, I've built a lot of good relationships with them, and I consider a handful of them mentors and being able to mentor them and, and just things in life and people that I can go to with difficult questions. You know, Josh Brolin is someone I really look up to and. You know, he's he's battle had his battle with addiction. So I've been able to talk with him about that. And he's 
He's like he's like my superintendent. It, it's crazy. It's it's insane to see them on film. The it's way, miraculous. Yeah, oh, it's, it's an art, man. They're, those guys, they're pros. Yeah, it's miraculous. It's a, they're pros, they man. It's scary. You know, it's scary how good they are, and it's 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 really cool to be able to see that and have it come to life and to be a part of it. Just to be able to be a part of it and to to meet these men that you know. At first, you think Hollywood, and you're like, oh man, you know. But you get to know these guys and their personality, and they're human. Well, you're behind the curtain, and that's that's the that was the beautiful part about it, man. Being on the set and actually seeing what goes into because I like I like watching movies, you know, yeah. kind of deal. You are that. a movie, yeah. you right. are a movie nut. That is a good point. That is but anyways, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> to watch them in their in their environment is like watching any professional in their environment. It's cool. Turn it off and on, and some some of them don't come out of character. I mean, you may have one of those guys, that kind yeah. of deal, but never even if they get irritated because they're man, they got so much going on. Just your part never changes. And even if they don't want to hear you say something, say, hey, I had this and not right now. No, you need to hear this. Come on. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. but they're humans too. Never forget that. Not only are they having to suck in all the emotion and, and what went on with your buddies and try and portray that to the best of their abilities. I mean, they have to adopt that, meaning they have to feel that. Well, then they got their own lives and lives of celebrities pretty tough, man. So be there. You know, that door swings both ways. If I give you a piece of advice from that man is always be on their side and helping them whenever they can because you never know what they're dealing with off to the side. That's, yeah, that's kind that's of cool. Shake that, Marcus. That's huge. You know, that's I try and try and I, I, we anything in life, whether it's a movie, or whatever. We just try and good be good people and be mentors and be listeners. And I think you know it's amazing. I'm sure you've grown close with the guys that have portrayed your brothers, and and I'm doing the same thing. And even the directors and the producers and everyone, as you know, Marcus, everyone on that set is just so honored to be a part of a movie like this. And it, it's powerful to see these people and the emotions right. they have. You know, I, you turn a corner after watching a scene and someone's crying because it's real life, and and they're they're making it, and it's just it's phenomenal. You know that they can, it is, man, because they're a family it, up there. Is that, it? Yeah. Is it? Can, let me hop in real quick. Is it? Is it therapeutic for you to be a part of this and and to let it go down and to assist and to know what you're what you're doing here? I think the the therapy about it is that I, I get to see my brother's lives continue to live on and, and be honored. And the, also the therapy about it is if there's something that I haven't faced, if there's some trauma that, that gets brought up while this movie is going on or being played, it, it's going to bring light to me and I'm going to be able to understand it better. And, and, I, and I do believe it is therapeutic because there's, they're diving into it so much and they want to know exactly who they were that I get to share those fun stories again. It used to be, as Marcus knows, it used to be just a tragedy. That's all we had to talk about. Right. It was a loss. And now, you know, looking forward three years later, I get to tell some of the funniest stories we had. You know, I That's get to awesome. tell. That's awesome. I remember one important thing when you're filming it is to 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 understand that it's it's Hollywood and they have to film things a certain way. So if the, there's a part in the movie where it's like, hey, that's not how that you know, that went down kind of deal. But just in order not to kill the actors, we can't do it the real way. That kind of deal. Yeah. And I didn't see, I saw every one of my friends die except for Matt Axelson. So I had to watch them portray that wow. with the, I mean, the uh, autopsy yeah. photos and records and, the, and, and all that, and talking to the doctors. They were ingrained in, or embedded in NSW really hard. So they had all access to all that. So that played out. And I, I watched that for the first time. And I was like, okay, well, that's how he died in my head now because I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. so don't let them. Be, be be real cognizant after the movie when you get out and you're on the road. I'm at, I mean, you're a public speaker. Make sure you tell that story how it happened. 
Yes, and you can reference the movie because I do. I was like, I had a blast in TV. I'm like, hey, look, man, I never killed anybody with a knife before. But and I tell people straight up. Now, when I'm a great grandfather and that movie's out, I'll be like, hell yeah, I killed somebody with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got one? You know, that kind of deal. <laughs> but don't don't ever because the movie's out and, and people will see you for that, for what they see that whatever comes on that film is what you did. Yep. Know that. All right. So portray it, make sure they portray it honorably for all the boys. That's all I cared about was my, my teammates. They got that right, man. They could have had me doing whatever. Exactly, yeah. But and then when you get at, when you don't let it, don't let that movie change your life. Right. Because it's just a movie about your life. That's the big thing. Movies come out about people, they get like, man, it changed their life. They went into something. Well, that it isn't anything. It does it's not real. It doesn't exist, right? Don't they that, that world that's created out of that fame, man. Always remember who you are and where and that's what people love about it. If you stay True to your form, when you're telling that story and just be that honorable man that you are, man, you will be treated accordingly. The minute you try to to do anything other than than what it's meant to do, then stand by. I've seen yeah. that happen. Awesome. That's that's why I have good men around me like Clint. You know, that just continue to remind me, hey, this is this is where this is who you are, and this is why you're around the people you're with, and you know, this will never change. The people that have come into my life, they they mean more to me than, than anything else, and that's that's what I stand by. That is huge. It's, I mean, you go changing up that that's a big mistake most people make is they go changing up the crews. Yep. Yeah, you keep that crew that was there cuz I mean mine they're like, "Hey, what are you you stupid kind of underwear in your shirt? That's a normal thing." <laughs> right? Uh, on that note, on that note, we're we're you know, we're going to end this section. We're looking forward to bringing you back in the after actions, Brandon. So, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on with, with and sharing your story and your climb. And and just man, it's really inspiring to hear you. And and listen, I, I'll tell you what, man. If if you ever need anything from from me or or from us, you know, Absolutely. we're here to help you, brother. And you're, you're, part, now, you're on dude. the team now, dude. So thank you so much for coming on. I thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity just to be able to to learn from guys like yourself and be able to have that mentorship. And it, I mean, it means a lot. And I'm blessed to be able to have that. So thank you again for what you guys do and how much you're helping other people and impacting. Roger that. Well, and he just—he was in the worst situation. He was he, a heroin addict in jail, trying to earn the respect of his daughter at two months old. Sure. Took a chance, climbed out. Those boys at that firehouse, those hotshots, pulled him out. Then they all die, leaving him to redefine who he is and and climb out again. And he's done it. Yeah, he's definitely got a purpose. I mean, come on, man. I mean, in I mean the, that ought to tell you, too, if you're at the bottom down, a heroin addict just kind of on the street pacing around. Hey, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, and, and he did it. And that's and the greatest part about right it. In. It's always those people, those phenoms that you see like, man, how the heck did he do that? How did he accomplish all of that? I mean, there's those guys that had that list. It's just a mile long. Yep. Like, well, he just started real young with uh, whatever. And then that when that was over, it was a, it was only a week long to accomplish whatever that, you know, I'm talking about the that little set him gone. Yeah, yeah, that, that set little, him gone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And one of those little things turned into a big thing. And those, well, look at this guy's life right now. Right. Are recognized more and more by an individual act because of 20 courageous acts. Right. You know what I'm talking about? All yeah, the oh, sacrifices yeah. those guys made, man, are a conduit to his, to his life becoming yeah, what thank, it is now. Thank you. I same thing is, brother. Same. That's what I love about watching you, man. And and you know, here I I remember when 
I, I, we first ran into each other when you were you were still telling the story. That's what you were doing, and you were making sure the story was heard and everybody knew. But now we talk, man, and you're out there and you've moved into a position of motivation and to help people realize that they have the never quit. That's why we're here right now. That's where that young man is. Yeah, he has that. And I was kind of looking at it from age to age. We were neck deep in, in what, oh, what, I, what we were into. Oh. And then <laughs> the, the guidance he has, I had to go through all that to get it. And, yep. You know, I just wanted to point that out that he's. How fast it happened. Though. Right. Correct. And does he know that? And I think he does. Sure. My, my other my other part I loved about the interview was Clint. I mean, Clint is such an amazing human being, and and the mentoring the, the, to to reach out to. This. I have to do that. He's got a huge family. I mean, he could just mentor his, and he does. That's that's when you know you're standing. Remember, we sometimes we yeah. say, you, you know, you can just stand next to a, a guy and learn a lot. Just be near him, right? In the same, him. and that's Clint, right? And then you got and then the voice part. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter even if we're in the military or lieutenant commander outranking me he's kind of like hey marcus yeah yeah dad <laughs> yes father oh, what 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 did i do now and i'm whatever it was i'm sorry <laughs> you know that kind of deal it is that it is that like that mater that paternal you know warm, he's oh yeah. he's the silverback he's right, got you know. that Plus, he's got guard, God in his heart in right, such a pure way. He's got daughters, you know. Oh, he's got, uh, dude. He's amazing. He's right. amazing. But he turned into the, just, that's the beautiful part about him. He is a, he's a warrior. He is a true, to his core, but now he's able to take that right. and become that teacher. Well, that's what the, the, the true spirit of the warrior is supposed to do that through your younger years. You, you battle and then you pass on. Once you transition out and the new warrior comes in, you transition completely. And I think we saw that today, and it was cool to watch. I mean, I felt cool just being near that and seeing the way they shared with one another, and then also to see it happen with the three of us with him. And oh, the really perspective, cool. yeah. You know, I mean, Clint's been in his ear, which is pretty much all you need, man. And then we twisted Frogman style from me to you. Oh yeah. I mean, those perspectives are. It was are, good stuff. Thousands. That's yeah, that's we just threw uh, what thousands of different perspectives on on one angle on him. I love it. I love it. Well, we're. So that's we're wrapping up the show now. But before we go, I just want to we, we got a great short story that came in, a never quit story, and it's it's relative to this whole thing. It's about a firefighter. So let me just share this, and then and then and then we'll we'll close it out after there. And this is from one of our followers, one of our fans, people who really enjoy and their lives are being enriched and changed and fulfilled from from the Team Never Quit podcast. And we want you to feel the same way. We want you to pull away. Just the really amazing positive things from these stories and these people so you too can learn that never quit story. And when it's good and when you got one, please share it with us. So I'm going to read you one right now. I live in Brainbridge, Georgia, and I've been a firefighter for 22 years and a police officer for 16. At our department, we do both. My rank is Captain Shift Commander. Back in August 2014, we were dis dispatched to a structure fire with someone in the house. Long story short, the roof collapsed and broke my back, my neck, and crushed my left elbow. Nerve damage on my right arm, head injury due to my helmet being knocked over. I've had seven surgeries and haven't been in the woods since. In August 2015, my wife and I were taking, was taking me to a doctor's appointment, and a semi pulled out in front of us. She tried to avoid it by taking the meeting and hopefully missed the truck, but instead going on, we going under the trailer and would have killed us, we ended up hitting the truck right behind the cab. Demolished, knocking us both unconscious, my right foot was severely damaged in both my knees. Banged up, it also banged up my wife pretty good too. 
had surgery number eight on my foot, not therapy now, learning how to walk again. Because of the nerve damage, they think my knee is going to need surgery as well. Had a lot of tragedy during the last year. Lost a real good friend of mine, younger than me, just died in his sleep. He too had been injured, and I think he may have been taken, he may have taken his own life from meds or pills. Lost my best friend and a, a, a Georgia State Patrol officer to a vehicle accident, not work-related, but he too was fighting his own demons. Lord knows I fought mine still and still do. Fighting to overcome is what has got me to where I am now two years later. I have doubts about things. I'll be able to do like I used to do, uh, that I'll ever be able to do like I used to do. But then I think about Marcus and all the other people who serve out there, men and women, who fought and succeeded. PTS is my worst enemy. God has been has been my strength through it all. And Jesus, with all the things possible, I've been a Christian motivational speaker before my accident and will continue that. Um, now God has thrown in my, a wonderful testimony for me, and I look forward to my future God has planned. My 22-year career is ruined, been pure hell on my wife and kids and family. I got a three-year-old daughter I can't pick up. My other kids are 9, 11, and 13. My oldest son there always wanted a hundred hunted with me for two years. I practically begged me people to take him hunting and fishing. Anyway, I don't really know why I'm sharing all with this. That wasn't my initial plan. If, if, if I ever can help in any way to help spread the word, I hope this message will help people out there. God bless and thanks for reading. It just keeps coming sometimes. And I think the moral of all these stories that we share is you just can't quit, right, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, there's levels of, uh, of being at the bottom. And even if you think you've been all the way down there and you've learned everything that you learned and you're starting to build your way back up. I remember growing up, man, my father one time, we lost, he lost and gained, I think, four fortunes probably. And then uh, never dropped a smile, man. And he had to come all the way down here and get my granddad's truck. I'll never forget it was a bench seat. And then drove all the way to Dallas, got me and my brothers, or me, Morgan, and my mom, loaded everything he could in the back of that truck and then hauled the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, me and my brother were sleeping on my, and uh, we moved in with my granddad. He lived in a trailer house, and uh, we were sleeping in my granddad's office on those, those egg crates. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, T-shirts for uh, uh, pillows. For pillows. Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, I, we had I had the best time in the world. You know what? And then have, coming from nothing, and then then I had to get into all of my pain. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I do. So it's it, it's kind of like man, it, you know, the hits just keep on coming, or or is that that's part of. The, those heads are part of your life. It's I mean, the journey. Right, exactly. I mean, some people are made to take that and some people aren't. And I, I always look at it like it's a lesson learned. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's, it's an environment in which you can either, and once you make it through it, like I said, man, your body heals up. I mean, you got little scars and scratches. That's awesome. That's reminds you of them times you've been, that you were in. And then, hey, I'm stronger for having been there. Amen. And And I hope you hear that. All right. We all have our bumps and bruises. We all have our struggles. We all... It, it, life ain't easy. Life ain't fair. Oh, God, man, man, I remember leg, leg, having that damn uh, walker with O2 tanks smashing oxygen into his face, taking four, four or five steps at a time. I mean, anytime. I got to tell you, man, God dang it. People that come on here, that's heavy, brother. It's heavy. Listen, we hope you enjoy this show, man, because our mission is to inspire you to live the never quit lifestyle, too. If you're enjoying this, please write in and let, and share with us how much you do. Tell your friends to go to teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast and, and download the shows there. Or if you could, 
Go to your iTunes app on your smartphone or your computer. Subscribe to our show. Write in a a review of how much you love the particular show or the whole show itself. But just help us spread the word so we can get out there and continue helping spread the never quit mindset to people who really need it. So as we always do as a closeout, I just want to thank God. I want to thank uh, Christ. I want to thank all the firefighters out there for all the work you've done in this lifetime and the lifetimes before And I want to thank my family and my friends. I want to thank Marcus. And I want to thank all the people. Clint, man, thank you. Brennan, thank you. Thank my wife, the Admiral, my kids. And just thank you all for for paying attention. Yep. Thanks, good Lord above, for giving me my gifts, my friends for helping me find them, my wife for letting me live the life that I live. Man, I'm I'm throwing all mine into the firefighters, this one. (laughs) I love it. I mean, I got a close connection because of the guys in my crew and then up mikey was from new york and and then boys just i mean I, when i go up there i get to stay in the most magnificent hotels but i w- usually wind up more than firehouses especially during christmas up in new york because i drag the family i don't ever tell anybody i said that yeah, i won't i won't, hey, I won't, I won't yeah 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 <laughs> matter of fact i won't even say what i was gonna say as, <laughs> there you go Texan, <laughs> but christmas is great <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. I mean, I love them guys so much, and it, I, it's just it's a it's a truly a blessing on the city to have them around there, man. And I, anybody, because there's as a man, you try and learn to do as much as you possibly can around your house, so you don't have to call anybody to to, to do that. But there's a couple of things you'll never be able to get past, man. That's calling the police officers and calling firefighters. Amen. And and standing back. I mean, it's kind of one of the only times where you and I would have to step, step back, step, step back. back. Yeah. I mean, and just kind of wait. And that for that's, someone else. Man, to that's help. crazy. That that, that's crazy. <laughs> and uh, man, God bless you guys. We love you, man. I'm out. I'm out. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit.